Hi everyone. Uh, thank you for bearing with us. Uh, we were uh, there was a short delay because we were waiting for everybody um, to join. But I think um, we'll begin now and um, just basically have a chat about the impact of social media platforms in the global south. Um, this space was actually kind of inspired after. Um, there was an expose in um, the Washington Post, which kind of uh, made some worrying revelations about Twitter's security practices. Um, and it kind of revealed that um, there may be somebody on government payroll um, from India who uh, may have access to data. So it kind of... Um, we thought raised some really interesting questions around privacy and social media. And that was kind of what led this discussion. Um, but we hope to make it a broader cross-pression um, since the countries that we are based in do often face such similar issues. Um, so I'm going to hand off now. Um, and before I do that, I'm just going to give a quick introduction um, of our speakers and moderator. Um, so we have with us Harshaman Maharjan, who is a senior researcher from Martin Chautari in Nepal. We have Hija Khan, who is a digital rights advocate from Pakistan. And um, this session will be moderated by Apar Gupta, who is the co-founder and executive director of the Internet Freedom Foundation from India. Welcome, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. So... Um, Social media, uh, I first to just set context, um, is very integral to a lot of the work which is also done in civil society, but then also presents challenges and also causes a lot of threats which emerge. So just from my own perspective in India, uh, over the past eight years, um, the amount of teleconnectivity has gone from about 80 million internet users to about close to now 800 million and this is also reflected in the use of social media platforms where india has very high numbers of people who use for instance youtube as a search engine and i've seen that quite often so at the same time there are uh, disinformation there are online abuse and threats but just to set the scene a little i'll uh, posing a question uh, to the panelists here, first to Vijay, and uh, uh, how has increased social media use impacted society in Pakistan, for instance, both positively and negatively, knowing my own experiences from India? Are there any similarities? Are there any um, distinctions? And what role is it playing right now um, uh, for activists, uh, both as an enabler, but also as a threat? So, um, this is an uh, open question to uh, just start this conversation. Thank you so much, Upper, for posing this question and uh, really glad to connect with you again. Um, so uh, in terms of Pakistan, um, so social media definitely plays a very significant role, both negatively and positively. I am sort of against demonizing social media for the negative aspects that we see, uh, see it playing because of course, we understand and we also acknowledge that um, whatever we see online on these social media platforms, it's just a mere reflection of how the societies are. So I generally refrain from 
um, you know, labeling social media or technology itself um, as negative. But of course, there are repercussions of using this tool as, you know, to sort of um, advance um, any sort of violence that we see around us or any sort of negativity that we see around us. And we've seen that as so use of social media has increased. We do see that the reflection of society's behaviors are also um, replicating on um, on this these platforms. So in Pakistan, uh, essentially, uh, we do see that um, a lot of grassroots movements and also a lot of you know other kinds of movements, political movements, political discourse, they start from social media more than they start from you know, or they gain popularity from social media. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, we have an example, a very good example of the movement, the Aurat March, uh, an annual march that, um, uh, you know, the organizers of the movement um, uh, put together every year on Women's Day on March 8th. That movement started uh, through social media. Some, a bunch of women came together and then they started to talk about um, how we can turn it into a movement. But then all the backlash that we see against this movement has also been originating or you know resulting in online violence against these organizers or movement builders as well um similarly political movements similarly disinformation campaigns um, um i can you know i can point out hundreds of cases where we've seen how social media has played a role in advancing violence against oppressive uh, oppressed communities right now in pakistan on pakistani twitter there is a whole conversation about how this one transgender um uh, protection act transgender safety act, i don't exactly remember the title but the, um how it legalizes um this is what the um you know the people who are against the act they say that it legalizes same sex uh, relationships or same sex marriage marriages in the country which is of course a lie but People who have not also read the bill, they have not understood what's written in, uh, sorry, have not read the act and have not understood what's in the act. They're just, you know, piling on the existing hate that is coming from certain sections of um, the society, which are, of course, the extremist sections. And they're just piling that hate uh, on top of each other without actually giving it a critical thought, without actually understanding what the uh, act is about and what it essentially entails. So the point is that uh, we we do see that social media does have a lot of negative aspects, violence against women, uh, violence against trans communities, violence against women, journalists, uh, activists, um, and just generally journalism, journalist community as a whole. A lot of um, hate is, you know, directed towards uh, women political leaders as well. So this is generally a trend that that doesn't stop um, based on who you are or your profession or what your profession is. It's it goes beyond um, your profession. Uh, school girls are um, hated on. Um, you know, it's generally not just not only from the gender perspective, but also. Uh, from a general, you know, a public perspective as well. Um, if you have a differing opinion, as is the case anywhere else in the world, you will you will be attacked. So it's no different in Pakistan as well. Uh, thank you, uh, and I'll hope to also come in on specific uh, regulatory responses in Pakistan. 
um, and if there are similarities there as well. But before I do that, uh, Harsha, what's been the experience in Nepal? Um, I uh, has have people enthusiastically taken up social media with all the good as well as the bad. Um, yes, uh, thank you very much for this opportunity. Uh, as you mentioned, um, I'm basically a researcher, so I will try to uh, understand the perspective uh, from both sides, um, as uh, the previous uh, speaker mentioned. We know that uh, technology itself is, uh, in a way, um, sometimes uh, you know, blame for wrongdoings and others or uh, in media stories, we call sometimes uh, people try to uh, present media as a scapegoat. So when you think of uh, the positive aspect, which uh, are many, I think that social media has, uh, social media have given um, opportunities to people who uh, don't have access to uh, traditional media. Now, due to this, they can connect and they can uh, even um, express uh, their uh, views and concerns about uh, social issues and everything actually um, as as we have seen in other countries uh, even in Nepal I think there are few movements uh, maybe uh, some like me too movement and others which uh, started uh, from social media uh, that means there are many movements which um, which in a way um, started from social media because we know that social media help us to uh, organize easily or even cheaply. So this is uh, the good good aspect which we uh, should not uh, forget that now uh, even activists, they can raise their issue or even general people can say, uh, put their voices on public issues. So, so in other side, now there are many issues uh, as i just mentioned uh, now everybody can put their views so in that case that means these views can be both both ex uh, extreme views or maybe uh mild and all so there are issues of hate speech as previous um, speaker mentioned uh, in case of pakistan i think this is happening all over the world and there's a huge studies about uh in a way online violence um against journalists or against uh, right activists um, or uh, people who are in a way who uh, have liberal belief. Um, so this in a way issue of hate speech um, has uh, become very problematic um, in Nepal as well as well. So, so also think that um, this um, social media have in a way even gave platform for some people to criticize, criticize, which is in a way better, which is needed in democracy. But in in when it become extreme, in a way, it has become um, a tool uh, to spread hate speech or um, provide in a way hateful comments uh, to women journalists or women or people from different caste or ethnicity or even. Um, Dalits and others, or even sexual minorities and others. So this is one aspect which um, we should forget when we think about freedom of expression in uh, South Asia or in Nepal. And another case I think is misinformation, which is related to, uh, in a way, freedom of expression, which, which in a way, um, we can say, which is uh, not good for the society in, uh, in terms of fake news and others, which has increased um, after COVID uh, pandemic. And, 
even before that. Um, and uh, this misinformation has become easy because every, everybody can put content on social media, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, when we think about traditional media, there would be, um, there is, there are, um, gatekeepers like editors and others who would have checked, uh, the content which, uh, would pass to, um, the general people. So it has increased the issue of, uh, fake news, uh, or even, um, this, uh, there are misleading information uh, passing in um, media or in social media, um, but there are also, in a way, um, other uh, fact-checking uh, mechanism as well. Uh, as well, um, and one issue we shouldn't forget about uh, social privacy. Uh, how, in a way, privacy has become, in a way, myth. Now that, uh, in a way, business model is based on privacy, so this we should uh, uh, we. Uh, remember or think about when we uh, talk about social media in Nepal or in South Asia. Thank you very much. Harsha, I, I realize I didn't ask this, but in terms of patterns of uh, use for social media platforms, which is the most predominant? Do people use Facebook more than YouTube or TikTok? What's, what's if you do anecdotally or from data know that what is, uh, of course, it differs as per age group as well. But what are the more popular social media platforms? Is it the same idea? Everything works generally in terms of Facebook having a large user base, YouTube also having a very high number of users who visit the platform, but also have now become users. And uh, like WhatsApp also being used more socially, people creating groups there. What's the pattern of usage? Um, right now, I don't have data. Uh, but I think that the most popular social media in Nepal is uh, Facebook. There's no doubt about that. Uh, general people, or even I believe that um, people who are literate, they they have um, accounts uh, in a way uh, on Facebook. So I think Facebook is the most popular uh, social media. Uh, in terms of discussion, maybe uh, or debate, I think Twitter uh, is second uh, uh, in terms of social media. Uh, for doing uh, debates, or uh, in a way, in a way, it is popular among um, scholars and academicians or politicians. Uh, but Facebook is the most. I think now even people are using TikToks and TikTok and other, um, which is gradually uh, become uh, popular. As I mentioned, I don't have data right now, uh, but I think uh, from my experience, um, yeah, Facebook. Uh, so in Facebook, there are uh, many users uh, in Nepal. Hija, I'll post, uh, I'll, I'll post the same question to you. In terms of patterns of usage, the largest platform or the one which is being used most actively by young people or it's showing growth. Uh, and I again say YouTube because uh, I do think that we don't consider it uh, uh, in online ecology as a social media platform or WhatsApp. It does have very deep social function also attached to it beyond just interactivity. So, but not to steer that uh, or prompt it from my side, but uh, uh, what's what's the experience in Pakistan in terms of social media platforms much more generally, which are being used more than the others? So, Pakistan is very similar to India and Nepal as well. We most, uh, most of the people consider Facebook as the internet. And I remember upper the um, the campaign that you were also part of regarding the net neutrality, uh, regarding energy in India um, years ago that you worked on. Um, it's 
it's exactly very similar in Pakistan. Facebook is considered the internet. But more and more people are also, you know, we do see that there is a lot of usage or increased usage on YouTube. Absolutely right that we're not considering the impact of YouTube on, um, you know, on conversations. So um, uh, bef- right before, currently I'm associated with Association for Progressive Communities. But before that, when I was working with um, uh, a local nonprofit media matters for democracy, I worked on a research with another researcher who was actually looking um, um, misinformation on YouTube and how it's prevailing. And we actually do not look at it um, as critically as we do on other platforms. So I completely agree with, you know, the impact of YouTube, the usage of YouTube. More and more people are, you know, referring or moving um, into the um, YouTube landscape uh, uh, as well, be it for um, uh, information, um, ac- access to information or be it for content creation as well. But um, as uh, Harsha also said, TikTok, uh, we're seeing, has a lot of impact because it reaches a lot of people that Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok are not reaching. Uh, for example, there was just this just one conversation last week happening in Lahore where panelists and speakers have been talking about how they've been getting info about Pakistan's flood, floods, real-time information on on TikTok. So it does tell you the impact and the, you know, sort of, the, the use, the kind of usage that TikTok has within these uh, communities that other platforms do not reach. And on that note, I think Twitter remains uh, the platform that is not used by most of the people. It's probably 2% of the um, yeah. internet total internet users in, uh, or social media users in Pakistan. But we do see that the impact of the conversations that um, happen on uh, on this platform is the you know, is the strongest uh, because it does uh, um, the conversation political conversations conversations and also the um, uh, you know the conversations that are happening on media as well um, so yeah th- this is where I'll end the um, you know, my intervention on this but yeah I do agree that YouTube does have a lot of impact and we need to see it more critically which brings me I think to somewhat of a related issue, because it does talk about how uh, uh, how Pakistan is also, you know, like uh, also attempted to regulate. That's what I hear, at least in India, regulate. That's a word I hear quite often. Um, social media from the perspective of um, actual social harms which happen, but somewhat from my own experience in India, end up without addressing those harms, sometimes it's consolidating greater power for the government. And that kind of is done more through a ministerial function, which directly places a government executive authority um, in a direct conversation and has power over a social media platform as opposed to a regulatory entity. But what's been the experience in Pakistan? Specifically, I want to ask around the electronic crimes law which was uh, introduced uh, as per its stated purpose to address uh, leaking of intimate photos and videos and online harassment. Has this been effective in curbing such practices? And have social media companies themselves been accused of abetting the violation of the law? How, how has it been seen, actually? 
So thank you for actually asking this question because this has always been a concern um, in Pakistan because um, when the the Prevention of Electronic Crimes Act or the Cybercrime Law was passed in 2016, we as civil society have been constantly telling um, the government that um, there is literally the law is being drafted to abuse against freedom of expression. It's not going to protect the people that you are claiming it will protect. So, um, in, um, you know, when it's implemented all as well, we see that, um, um, it was, of course, you're right that it was passed, um, to quote unquote protect the daughters of the nation, but the daughters of the nation are still not safe against, uh, from, from the harms that the, uh, uh, the law promises to protect from. For example, section 20 of the law, it talks about, um, uh, you know, it criminalizes defamation essentially. Um, and it has, the particular law has been used to silence women who have been speaking, um, up against their, uh, their, uh, experiences of violence on the internet. So they, this particular section, um, I don't know if you're aware of the case. Um, I, I don't know how many of you are aware of the case regarding, um, uh, Misha, the singer Misha Shafi and, uh, Ali Zafar. Um, uh, the singer accused um, another, you know, um, this person of sexual harassment on the internet, and the person used this particular law, uh, this particular section of the law, to try to intimidate and silence um, the survivor of abuse. And it has been the case for other people, and it has been used against people who spoke in uh, favor of the uh, of the survivor. So, uh, and this has been a pattern because one, when one incident or one um, case that has gotten uh, media attention has been used to, or the law has been used in one particular instance, then other people are going to use it uh, in, uh, for their benefit as well. So that's just one example. But then also section 21 of the law, it talks about, uh, it criminalizes non-consensual use of intimate images, uh, which we commonly call revenge porn, for example. Um, and there are applications or over applications that are being sent to the Federal Investigations Agency, which is the implementation authority under the cybercrime law. And they talk about these, all of these applications, um, refer to, you know, the non-consensual use of intimate images or the images that have been morphed or photoshopped to portray as, as something that they were not originally. And, when these people go to the investigating authority, they are rather than actually actually giving them the recourse that they're looking for or the help that they're looking for, the investigations authority has been, you know, or the 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 people sitting um in these offices, they start harassing people. I know countless women who have reached out to me in the past uh, five to six years it has been has been passed that. We went to the FIA and the investigations officer that was assigned on my case. He has sent me a very explicit message and essentially they are being harassed. So we see that the law was passed, but the implementation, uh, was still, you know, was not, is not effective, but it's not, it's only the case that the ineffective implementation is only when it's the matter of gender based violence where this, uh, this law is used. Uh, in, in contrast, if we take cases uh, against journalists, cases that criminalize freedom of expression, that criminalize uh, dissent, uh, um, or, or cases against dissent, 
this law has been um, terrific in implementation. Like there is no problem at all uh, when we see how um, how the law is being used to um, silence dissent. And uh, we already know that um, this kind of draconian laws, they are passed to sort of intimidate uh, uh, citizens and to uh, to control them, um, so to speak, uh, just to sort of um, not have any kind of uh, dissent, any kind of disagreement from the you know status quo. So, uh, cybercrime law or the Prevention of Electronic Crimes Act of Pakistan, it has um, not been very effective uh, in terms of what it was supposed to do. But the hidden, 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 um, you know, motive behind the law, it ha- behind the a lot of sections of the law, it has been doing wonderful uh, um, uh, uh, job. Um, there are there have been cases uh, against journalists. Um, there have been cases against uh, um, you know social media users, against political um, um, you know users as well, political um, opposition leaders and uh, opposition party members as well. So we see that whoever takes the government or whoever makes the government in Pakistan, they start using the laws against the opposition rather than actually providing relief to the citizens, which um, you know yeah. the beneficiaries of the laws to be. Yeah. To quickly come in there, I think I even noticed a tweet by you sometime back in which you called out some, it may have been you or somebody else from Pakistan, for being in government, implementing and bringing the law, and then now being in the opposition and criticizing it. I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I yes, think it was the past, it was the previous government's uh, Minister of Human Rights, Madam Shiri uh, Masari, and uh, um, they have. A particular concern with uh, the cybercrime law and the rules that they were uh, that the government had uh, sort of uh, passed, not even proposed but passed. And when when the law is now being implemented by the rule that by the ruling party, by the current ruling party, um, the sitting government has issues with how the law is being implemented, and it has always been against dissent and against freedom of expression. So um, this is you know sort of a running joke. In Pakistan as well, that um, you pass laws to protect yourself, but you forget that you are going to sit in opposition. And when you do that, people are the the whoever makes the government, they are going to use your tools against you. And this is exactly what's happening right now. These seem like such familiar stories to me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> let, me, let me see if uh, this uh, trend or this kind of um, uh, thing also exists in Nepal. So, um, Harshad, just quickly turning to you now, uh, could you yeah. tell us about the uh, uh, potential implications of the social media directive which was proposed in 2021, which was widely criticized? Are there any similar laws also or regulations yeah. in Nepal which are undermining free expression but are stated to satisfy some kind of social injury, social mm-hmm. purpose? Or are laws actually working well in Nepal? In terms of addressing it uh, thank you for uh, this question uh, let me uh, tell you uh, something more about uh, youtube which i left in a way uh, so in case of youtube uh, in nepal it seems that um, many journalists uh, have moved into youtube uh, even uh, celebrity journalists uh, old journalists uh, who used to um, have a program in television traditional television have moved to youtube and in Nepal, uh, there is a concern that uh, how to manage um, or 
how to govern uh, YouTubers because there are many YouTubers uh, who sometimes even um, disseminate uh, sensational news or even uh, misleading news or even sometimes misinformation. So this is the case of YouTube, which has become in a, in a way a very um, crucial issue uh, for press council in Nepal, how to govern these YouTubes. Now, YouTubers, now I want to move to laws. It's interesting that uh, we have few laws which in a way governs uh, freedom of expression uh, online. So one is Electoral Transition Act 2006, um, which is actually the only only law which um, is directly related to internet for a long time. It is interesting that it was started as as the as the title of uh, the law says it is related to uh, electronic transaction or e-transaction. But it is interesting that uh, in this law there is uh, section 47. Which is um, directly related to uh, freedom of freedom of expression. So it says uh, publication of illegal materials in under uh, publication of illegal materials in electronic form, and um, it uh, in a way um, checks or um, it doesn't allow uh, different kind of exp uh, expression, which can be divided into three categories: one about public morality or decent behavior. And other is spread of hate or jealousy towards individual. Third, uh, jeopardy of harmonious relations among communities. So, if we look into this, these are uh, in a way this uh, section. The content in this section um, are very vague, and it can be um, used uh, or maybe misused. And if you look into different uh, cases of uh, use of this law, we can find that. Even um, artists uh, have been um, arrested uh, uh, for criticizing a movie or expressing um, their views or even um, in a way criticizing uh, different cultural aspects or other things. Or even uh, people have been arrested for writings um, about political leaders. Um, or even there is a very interesting case where a person was a person from Tarai was arrested uh, because he wrote a comment um, on a Facebook post of news um, that in that place, in a way, the news said that in a way, um, security of that place has in a way ha has become better. And then he made, um, how that could be because uh, I had to uh, pay 50,000 for um, getting my uh, stolen bike back. And then police, in a way, filed a case against him and he was arrested. But later, um, court uh, gave uh, justice to him. But it's interesting that this law has been misused because it is, it is it's, it's uh, content um contents are very uh, vague and it is also interesting that it these um provisions uh, come from our constitution uh 2015 which um have uh, which has you know, different um provisions uh, related to uh, harmonious relationship with the people uh, community or uh, sedition and others under uh, reasonable restriction so besides this law, which is, I should also mention that many sections, even journalists or even lawyers have requested government to amend this law 
because they thought that it's very vague. Um, and that's why uh, later in 2019, um, IT bill, um, information technology bill uh, was you know brought, um, but it was criticized as well. Um, and I will, I will complete this later. And we also have another law, which is National Penal Code Act 2017, um, which contained um, provisions related to sedition, also uh, which prohibits the person, distribution, import, and export of offense materials, um, or also uh, related to, in a way, it uh, prohibits defamation and, uh, in a way, assassinating others. Um, I was talking about information technology bill, uh, which started anyway. It was which, which was brought in 2019, and it is interesting that uh, this uh, bill contained uh, in a way very um, um, harsh provisions, uh, in a way harsher than uh, Electoral Transition Act 2006. Uh, as you mentioned that, as I mentioned, um, this bill uh, was, uh, in a way, um, made uh, to replace Electoral Transition Act, but uh, it contained very harsh provisions, um, or even um, people uh, people couldn't write uh, something about, uh, in a way, nations and all that. There were there there was provision of cyber, uh, in a way, cyber bullying, or even um, cyber terrorism and others one thing which comes to my mind is that what is the now i'm coming to yeah, yeah i'm coming to social media directives that's why so this um uh, this bill contained very harsh um, provisions uh, civil society organization journalists and others other committees uh, in a way uh, criticize and they um they uh, you know challenge this co- uh, this bill so it, it is it is still um, the parliament uh, now parliament dissolved now this law maybe will not come now but later in 2021 you know some provisions of the bill was included in uh, social media bill uh, directive 2021 so it made provision for um, actually even in uh, this it bill there was provision of um, registering social media organization um, that means under this law social media organization um, register within three months, and if if it could be done, then um, this organization could be stopped. Uh, or even if social media uh, promote content which is illegal uh, in in terms of Nepali, then uh, <laughs> then the government could cancel the registration of social media organization. It's very interesting, actually. Um, Besides that, and, and the interesting thing with this so, is many people thought that so, social media so would I, not register, yes, would not so register want, uh, under the law. Yeah. What I want to ask, and this question is coming to us, because in India, you have the Information Technology Act, you have yes. immunity which is given to platforms for user-generated content. Of course, mm-hmm. there have been some erosions of that, uh, certain rules which have been made, but is there a similar immunity in Nepal? And my second question is, what is the relationship between a social media company and the government? Given that you are saying that they may need to register. So if we can have a clear idea of what, how it happens, for instance, between a company like Facebook, Twitter, Google, and the government, and 
is there some sort of friction which arises is there a immunity does the system work how does it how does it all uh, come together um i think there isn't uh, we don't have any law which uh, governs uh, in a way this um you know global um, it companies or social media that's why government came up with uh, this information uh, bill in 2019 which couldn't be passed later in 2021 uh, some of these provisions were included in social media directives and which was in a way um, wasn't this this also uh, didn't materialize actually we don't have any law uh, which governs uh, social media and i don't i haven't so, i haven't so i may be wrong but i haven't i haven't seen any instances where there is in in a way uh, interaction between uh, this global social media companies and the government um I, i'm not aware of this so what happens potentially if a post goes viral on facebook the government wants it to be taken down and that post is not taken down by facebook or twitter because it is not uh, either violating the uh, terms of service the content moderation guidelines and also the legal request is properly framed under existing law has a situation like that ever arisen um i'm not not aware about that but i think um i i believe um uh, maybe some of uh, the people who are me uh, they can correct me um i think that in some cases government has requested social media uh, for some help or other when this kind of misinformation uh, is circulated but i think social media uh, in a way uh, companies uh, haven't uh, listened to the government maybe that's the reason that these laws um where uh, in a way prepare uh, so that they could uh, the government could bring the social media uh, under their control because in in that case that they have to register and then in, even government can request for the content um, or even request content uh, the gov- government can request social media to uh, take out content and and others issue which uh, which uh, the government can't do right now because we don't have any law that you know, governs social media companies and others Thank you so much. I'll 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 throw this quickly back to Hija as well. What's the relationship between social media companies and the government in Pakistan? And is there an immunity for user-generated content for social media companies in Pakistan as well? Um, that is, um, I think, something that um, has always bothered society. How social media companies, specifically Facebook. um is uh, very smart in its diplomatic relationship with the pakistani government um so um it has always been you know it has always tried to stay in good books of the pakistani government and pakistani government has tried to always um maintain that relationship uh, with uh, uh with facebook or meta now for example um having said that twitter has not been very responsive in that sense because um even even when we see the transparency reports um that these platforms uh put out uh twitter has consistently not complying has not, not has been not complying with the government requests for data for content takedown or um any um you know requests uh, like that and this is something that bothers um the pakistani government as well because they do see that and a political conversation does happen on uh on twitter like um uh, uh the political leaders um and uh, the government also they put out their statements they put out their comments and they engage with each other or with their supporters or opposition on twitter so um 
it's the platform that angers them the most on a daily basis so they've been trying to try to you know sort of regulate it um to to a certain extent and that is also why they were trying to um uh, pass the social media rules under the under the prevention of electronic crimes act which is a cyber crime law to try to regulate social media uh, in pakistan so they have to by the land of the law they have to comply with the government request and under this uh, under these set of rules what they were demanding was whenever there is a request for content takedown or content information um these companies will have to comply if they want to continue to work on so um um in response the asia internet coalition had said that if these rules are passed and implemented we're not going to work in pakistan so we do see that there is uh, retaliation or you know um sort of denial to engage or to comply with so these sort of laws but we also see that um companies like facebook and tiktok particularly these two have constantly been engaging uh with the governments um uh, on different levels and have also been complying with a lot of requests as well with regards to tiktok which is uh, also a very popular platform in pakistan um and tiktok has gone through four bans four blanket bans in the country and every time the government had said that we have blocked it because of immoral content uh, and because the because the company or the platform has not uh, taken the content down um so in order to continue to work in the market of 220 million people uh, tiktok has been complying with the government requests and that is why it uh, it gets banned and then it gets gets unbanned by the pakistan telecommunication authority as well but it's another thing that we have to involve we had to involve um courts in the process but then courts also you know come with their own um differing orders like for instance the lahore high court said that um tiktok needs to be banned the islamabad high court is saying that it needs to be unbanned the peshawar high court is saying that it it needs to be banned so every time a court orders banning of the uh, platform it has to be banned because then of course pakistan telecommunication authority does not also want to be a uh, question for contempt of court as well so they do that but then the la- the last uh, update from earlier this year is that the islamabad high court said that it it has to be it should be unbanned so now it is working right now but then of course alongside it um social media companies are also complying with um uh, the government demands and the government's you know um regulations uh, which are not honestly they're not on paper but whatever the government says these these companies have to comply with in order for them to continue to work in um or continue to have their apps uh, accessible country so it's sort of a very you know complicated relationship between uh, corporations and the government in pakistan which brings me to one question which i put to myself like considering the tremendous social benefit with social media does offer and i see it in my own work for instance iffs uh, instagram twitter helps us get our message across helps us fundraise so much but at the same time uh, i question myself am i contributing to a larger ecology which is also harmful for instance online abuse or disinformation by itself uh i think there can be a better social media but 
uh, one of the things which may need to change for that would be periodic human rights impact assessments which are much more country specific is have there been any such demands by activists in pakistan or even attempts by companies proactively to do a country level uh, uh, specific study of their platform the kind of human rights uh, impact assessment based on iccpr standards uh, etc something like that which reacts at the local issues um, lens of uh, actual experience so there have been um, you know there have been requests or there have been calls from civil society for human rights impact assessment for sure but um i also know and we in our work also acknowledge that uh, for these companies the global south barring probably barring india because of the number of users because of the market that india uh, you know sort of proposes to these companies um the most of south asia um has been on you know as an has been kept as an afterthought and this is something that we struggle in pakistan as a lot um every time there is a conversation uh, we have to really struggle to include you know pakistan in the conversation because we do see just like you know, anywhere else in the world uh, the human rights um, um impact the, the human rights violations of these uh, uh, corporations are very vast in in the country and um, um honestly there hasn't been anything done on a on, from the from the corporations particularly to sort of do a human rights impact assessment report the max the civil society has done is submitting you know um uh, these um submissions to unsr for the unsr reports um, over the years and these are compiled by you know digital rights foundation media matters for democracy and also bolobi um another organization that that used to be around um until a couple of years ago but um, these are very few organizations very few individuals in pakistan have been um adamant who have been adamant in um uh, having these corporations do human rights impact assessment in pakistan and also third party organizations but they currently there hasn't been any work done apart from whatever the civil society has put forward uh i share your uh, sense of disappointment hija uh even the human rights impact assessment in india is not uniform by all social media companies i think meta did attempt one for facebook in india but um the findings of that are only contained in summary and contrast with several of the testimonies as per the public disclosure of the participants so uh, even that has not uh, been released and on the other element of india's hegemonic presence due to its market size i can only apologize and say that we face that same discrimination between standards of application of human rights from uh, their own markets in the united states and europe as compared to india but yeah, now we'll I, always be we'll always be an afterthought right now yeah so india's after in this together stand an afterthought after that afterthought maybe. yes but, absolutely but uh, i i'd like to also ask harsha given that there's considerable utility with social media platforms but at the same time they do impact society in very deep ways what's the what's the civil society response as research is required how is that research being conducted for instance if there are elections 
in Nepal. And there is an issue around disinformation, uh, which may spread through, let's say, instant messaging, not through uh, uh, public uh, social media platform. Uh, does civil society itself, not only from the digital rights community, even those who may be interested in free and fair elections, do they speak up? And do the platforms respond to them, given that they are not as responsive to the government? There are a few studies about uh, this uh, issue of misinformation during elections and others. And it, they have shown that, um, you know, even politicians or the people who are uh, affiliated to political parties, they have, um, uh, in a way, um, used in a way, propaganda, and, um, propaganda and other issues. I believe that um, as as in case of uh, Facebook and other, I think in case of Facebook, we can uh, in a way complain. So I think uh, people sometimes um, complain that uh, this is misinformation and others. Uh, but I haven't, um, in a way, I haven't um, come any, uh, instances where uh, Facebook, Facebook, um, in a way, yeah, Facebook um, has responded. Uh, and there's also issue about about people. In a way, not being aware about uh, how Facebook works and others. That means people don't know how to uh, complain and others. That means there is a lack of uh, media literacy um, of uh, use of social media in Nepal. And that's what I can say uh, uh, from the perspective uh, what I know. But but young people seem to have social media very actively, right? It's a part of the yes. Media. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And um, yeah. I think I think there's hope there because. Uh, as more people use social media over a longer period of time, at least some optimism is in order that they start understanding it a little much better when their posts are taken down, their reaches thoughts like that. You know, have more often than not in India at least activated more people to think more deeply about freedom of expression, privacy. Where is my data going? Why am I seeing this? No, ad? yeah, it it is interesting in case of Nepal that many people I believe that uh, they don't care about. Uh, privacy or about other thing um, as we have uh, i was checking earlier facebook has done um, or uh, facebook's uh, um uh, facebook has taken action um, against uh, the issues related maybe in brazil india and others i haven't seen any cases of uh, such action uh, taken uh, for the content uh, or nepali content so um, so i think we don't have such instances. So that's why I'm saying that uh, people often they, they don't care about privacy um, or uh, their data going to uh, Facebook or other social companies. So in a way, in a way the, the, I think I haven't seen much debate about privacy um, in social media, uh, on social media in, uh, in a way in Nepal. But does that same debate extend to, let's say, government surveillance or yeah. Like that. Yeah. Does, right? yeah. So yes, it does. Even we have we have um, in a way we have Privacy Act 2018, uh, which okay. deals with uh, issue of privacy and others. Uh, I I must even, look that, I must look that up given that India does not have a legislative enactment for privacy. So thank yes. you for that. I'll look yes. that up. But you know, it resonates with me. I'm sorry, I'm intruding a little. I'm cutting you off. But um, no, no problem. It's. I want to also say that uh, that where there is deeper awareness in India about platforms, I think we have a larger number of people also who have been more economically uh, um, 
mobile you know they've been uh, in a, a better place to educate themselves uh, as to the benefits and harms of social media platforms but at the same time it's much easier in my work to make an argument on government surveillance as opposed to social media surveillance because quite often even in india people say that uh, this is the price of this is the economic model of how social media works and this is what makes it work this is what also makes it serve content which is uh, which what you like because it learns from your behaviors so why should you have a problem so uh, i think uh, we are running a bit out of time but harsha any final comments on where do you see nepal civil society developing around these issues or do you think it will take much more time and um, resources and national community does need to pay greater attention there um yes i believe um as i mentioned um so i am a researcher so i have done few research about uh, you know expression in digital world or even i have done research about privacy and there are other civil society organizations like uh, body, and, body and data which uh, which you know way studies about uh, data and its relation with gender or sexual minority and others so i think uh, gradually uh, there are some organization which uh, are studying or thinking about uh, privacy issues but as you mentioned they are more focus on government so now we have to think more about this um, global um, it companies which i want to say as social media companies and uh, you know their power uh, related to uh, encroachment of privacy as you mentioned that now i think as i already mentioned privacy has become myth so now you know privacy related to this business model so i think uh, there should be more study about uh, this social media companies uh, how it is functioning in nepal yeah we should do that and i want to thank you for giving me this opportunity no Thanks. no not no, not at all i've learned a lot from you hasha i'll uh, come to you here in terms of any concluding comments but also asking given the similarity of issues which we face in nepal in pakistan i would imagine if we draw in participants even from um, sri lanka and other south asian countries we would in fact have very similar problems of course they would vary in terms of the local context but there's a greater need for these kind of conversations among south asian digital rights experts rather than just being led by global organizations and i think that would sometimes help us develop our own thinking and our own demands uh, based on our own experiences but any concluding uh, thoughts are greater collaboration in south asia as well as um, what do you think is a good path forward or any hopeful story coming out of pakistan um, and social nation if any um all is darkness and despair here <laughs> as well as, as much as it is uh, elsewhere in the region um so i do not have any hopeful um, um you know sort of developments in terms of privacy and freedom of expression from pakistan but i do think um there is like you said um uh, upper that there is a need for a greater um you know regional collaboration um regarding the issues because um, the issues are sim- similar and the reaction or the lack of reaction that we get from the global north where these companies are based in terms of you know in terms of human rights violation and violations in terms of their own role in um, you know sort of propagating this violence in within communities um 
we definitely need uh you know regional collaboration but then also like harsha has said and like also you i'm sure you would agree as well to a certain extent i believe but um within our you know regular users of social media there is no um like the kind of um you know seriousness we would want regarding privacy it doesn't exist but um it definitely is the case that because social media is so increasing use the conversations are happening the conversations are becoming mainstream because i remember when i started working on digital rights 10 years ago uh, i would talk to students in universities and colleges and they would just tell me that privacy is not their issue because they do not have to hide but now at least 10 years down the line we do not problem because now people now in people who are joining the internet people who are um, you know sort of partaking in conversations that are happening on social media they understand that privacy is a right but then they do not have an avenue to uh, get included in the conversations that the civil societies are uh, having around the region and around the world so uh, not only there is a need for cross border collaboration um, but also there needs to be a platform or an avenue to bring people on board to have these discussions with not just you know as a, as just a, an awareness raising session that a lot of nonprofits do within their countries or within their cities um in the region but all but bringing them on the discussion tables and having giving them a say to sort of um uh, you know in the discussions that are happening uh, that are happening so i think this is also something that needs to be done and civil society definitely plays a very important role in this uh, um local collaboration and also regional collaboration as well uh and with these words i'm ending this uh, session i thank everyone who joined in and uh, i urge you to follow the twitter handles of both harsha and hija um and uh, send us any question uh, i think uh, most of us are on twitter we can talk to each other very very directly so i encourage that with that i'm turning but back to the host thank you so much thank you to everyone who uh, joined us today um thanks to our speakers hija and harsha and thank you uh, apar as well for moderating um this session um as you said so many common points uh, even with the sri lankan experience um so i think there's a lot to take away and uh, thank you to everyone who participated and um, good night <laughs>